Welcome to the Valley Point Podcast in the series, Life First. Our big idea today is remember, we're going to be in Romans chapter 3. Enjoy and thanks for listening. Before we jump into Life First and conclude this series that we've been working through throughout the month of January, I want to let you know what's going to start next week. We actually begin a brand new series called The Three R's. And this is something that we've never done at Valley Point Church before, so I'm kind of excited about sharing this with you. It's actually a series of series within the series. So there's like three series within one. It's like a trilogy. So if you like trilogies, then you're really going to love the three R's. If you don't like trilogies, you're going to like it anyway. So just plan on coming next week as we start the three R's. Each of the series within starts with the letter R. And it's really designed and geared for helping us think about some spiritual next steps. So that's a big focus right now and a big priority for us. And I hope that you'll be here next week as we launch the three R's. So throughout the month of January here at Valley Point, we've just taken time to focus on scripture. And we've encouraged everybody to pick a verse or two and to kind of commit to that as your life verse for this next year, something that you can stand on through everything that you encounter. And we had a great time last week writing those verses down on the prints that were provided for us. And if you weren't here last week and you missed that because of the storm, you can go out in the lobby. Those prints are there and there are markers. I would encourage you to grab that, write down your verse on those prints because we're going to frame those and then hang them at our Bethel Road campus, and they just serve as a reminder of where we have traveled. So that's what we've been doing, focusing on Scripture, committing to a couple of verses. We've talked about pick a time, place, and plan, and I talked about that on one specific week and said it's vitally important that you have a time where you jump into Scripture and a sacred place, and that you also have a plan, something that's going to help you move through the Word of God. Really, this is about committing to Scripture. And the reason we want to do that is because this is what God has left for us. Which to me is kind of still a crazy thought. God, the creator, the inventor, the one who is omniscient and omnipresent, and he is just all-knowing, he is this amazing God, he actually left us something that he wants us to read something that reveals his heart and his plans and his purposes for us. We owe it to ourselves to do this. We owe it to ourselves to read. Let's figure it out. And that's the challenge that we've been giving throughout the month of January, and that's what we have been attempting to do. So I want to let you know two things. I want to let you know that I am very proud of you as a church. Proud of you on many different levels, and one of the things that's been happening around here, there's been a lot of generosity on display at Valley Point Church, and even last week we had another love day where we collected soccer balls and shoes and clothes that we're going to give away to other people, and I was worried about last week because 
I know we had the storm, and I didn't think we'd get enough stuff, but we got a ton of stuff, even with a lower crowd. And we had people calling in the week saying, hey, I have a bag, and I couldn't get there on Sunday, and I'm worried I'm not going to get to participate, and told everybody to relax and just bring those items to the Bethel Road campus, and we'll make sure that they get delivered. But it's just a fun thing to watch the generosity on display around here. And it seems like every time we present a goal or a challenge or let's reach this or let's collect this, we just kind of move through that stuff quickly. And that makes me really proud of this place. But there's something else that has been happening throughout this month that makes me proud as well. And just so excited about where we're headed and some of the things that you're thinking about and the notes that I receive and the conversations I've been having help me to know that we are beginning to really grow in our hunger and thirst for discovering God in his word. And I can't even tell you how exciting that is for me as your pastor to have those conversations and to get those emails saying, hey, I am digging and I am searching and we encourage that and we want people to open up the word of God and find out what he has to say and then actually go out and do that. I want to let you know here at Valley Point, we don't just refer to the Bible. We don't just talk about it. We actually open it up and we dig and search and we unpack paragraphs and we find meaning for today. Again, we don't just refer to it. We are actually trying to live this out. We dive in, we read, and every week we study. And this is part of who we are. It's part of our DNA. But one of the expectations is that we wouldn't just look at God's word on Sunday because that's really not enough for anybody. On our own time, we need to be thinking about what does God say to me on Monday and what is God saying to me the the rest of the week. And this is very valuable for us. And I see that growing in our church, and that is very exciting, and that makes me proud. So great job hungering and thirsting for something that is vitally important to us. Here's the second thing that I want to let you know, and that is it's going to be very easy to stop paying attention to the Word of God. As we move forward, and as we get into a new month, it's going to be very easy to just kind of forget about all of this. And again, we've been concentrating and saying, pick a verse and make sure that you've got a plan and spend time, and people are energized about this right now. It's going to be very easy to just kind of put that aside and to stop doing this altogether because of life and work and kids and vacations and sickness. Has anybody been sick recently? Yeah, that stuff just wipes you out. And it has this ability to take us away from what we really want to do. And we're really not held accountable for this. It's not like anybody standing at the door saying, hey, did you do your reading this week? (laughs) We're not going to do that. And we're not paid to read the Bible. And so it's just going to be very easy to say, all right, I had a great run in January, but life is heating up and I just do not have time for that. Don't let that happen. Okay? Let's just kind of commit while we're in the room together that we're not going to let that happen. Because we're going to move on and we're going to talk about other things. Let's just commit right here on this day that we're not going to push God's word out of the way and allow other things to become more valuable. 
We're not going to ignore that. Let's commit to that right now. And to help with that, time, place, and plan. And I just want to ring that bell one more time. Time, place, and plan. If you don't have a specific time where you get into God's word, and if you don't have that sacred place, like that's my spot, and if you don't have a plan that's helping you walk through different verses, you're just not going to do it. It's too challenging, and it's really too difficult. So time, place, and plan. Think about that. Remind yourself of that. Commit to that. Fight for that because this is how we find God in his word and how we can continue to develop our real relationship with him. See, and we do all of that because once we've trusted in him, there's so much. Think about this for a second. Once we have trusted in Jesus alone to save us, there is so much to discover about him that should just continually make us stand in awe of his deep, deep love for us. And so that's why we want to pick a couple of verses and anchor our souls in them for another year. It's why we want that time, that place, and that plan, because we want to continually stand in awe of God and how deeply he loves each and every one of us. So to help us with that today, what I'd like to do is look at one of the rich paragraphs in Scripture. Now, they're actually all very rich, but this one is very rich and deep, and we could actually call it maybe our life paragraph for this year as a church. So we've got our life verses. How about a life paragraph? Well, it could actually be this one. And here's why I say that. It's because it kind of answers for us what happens to us when we trust in Jesus alone to save us. And this rich paragraph that I'm going to unpack in just a moment, it answers that question. Let me ask you this. Have you ever wondered what happened to me when I put my faith in Jesus, when I trusted in him alone? What really happened to me? What changed if anything at all. I mean, what really happened when I trusted in Jesus alone? Or maybe you've asked, what good was the death and resurrection of Jesus? What did that really accomplish? What did that really satisfy? And maybe you agree with it, and intellectually you're fine with all of that, but you really wonder, was there any good in that? Or perhaps you've asked yourself this. Why do we do all of this? Like, are we just kind of going through motions to make ourselves feel better? Or is there actual purpose and meaning to all of this? Or maybe you've even asked this question. Can God forgive my sins? Or maybe God has the ability to forgive somebody else's sins, and maybe you look at their bucket of sins, and you would even say, those are nice sins. Like, those are respectable sins. They're not that big of a deal. Everybody kind of does that stuff, and of course, God's going to forgive that. But my bucket over here is deep and grievous, and I would never want anybody to discover the stuff that is on the inside. And God might be able to dump that bucket over and clean that out, but God could never take care of this. It is just not possible. I think those are questions 
we've all asked at times. I know that I have. And so what I want to do today is I want to share with you one word that provides the answer for all of that. What happened to me when I trusted in Jesus alone to save me? Did the death of Jesus and his resurrection actually accomplish anything at all? And is there any worth to this? And can God really forgive me and my bucket of sins? I'm going to share with you one word that's going to answer all of that. And so if you've trusted in Jesus alone... And if you've ever indicated that on a connection card, maybe you've done that recently. You know, I trusted in Jesus alone to save me. Or maybe you did that a long time ago. Then I want to describe to you, I want to share with you, based on this rich paragraph of scripture, what actually happened to you. Now, here's how this will work. I'm going to share the life paragraph. We're going to unpack it. And then we're going to allow that to just move us into a time of communion together where we remember what Jesus has done for us, his broken body and his shed blood for us. Make sense? Okay, here's our big idea for today. Remember. Remember. And again, our whole experience here is going to move us into remembering what Jesus has done. This rich paragraph that we're going to unpack is found in Romans chapter 3. And so if you have a Bible or a device, I want you to find that. You can also scan the QR codes with your device in the program there, and that'll bring up all of the notes and all of the scripture that we're going to use. You'll also find these words on the screen. And I would just encourage you to follow along as I read through this, because it is absolutely fascinating. And again, I want to remind you, if you've trusted in Jesus alone, here's what happened to you. Whether you knew it or not, whether you felt it or not, this is what happened to you. And if you're here and you're kind of kicking the tires with church and God and Jesus and you're just not sure, then you're going to get a great picture of the depth of God's love for all of us. So here's Romans chapter 3, verse 21. It says, But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. That sounds great, doesn't it? I can actually be made right with God, and it doesn't involve keeping a bunch of requirements. Good. How does that happen? Verse 22. Here it is. We are made right with God by placing our faith or our trust in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Wow. That's a declaration. And if you've ever wondered if God could forgive you, I mean, he states it right here. We can be made right with God by placing our faith, our trust in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone, not just a few, but it's true for everyone who believes no matter who we are. It's really great news. Now, this isn't great news because it says everyone has sinned. And we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God freely and graciously, key words there, and get this now, he declares that we are righteous. And the wording here indicates that we are justified. And there are different versions that actually use that word. We are declared right 
before God. It's actually a legal pronouncement. So our standing gets adjusted. Our standing here changes. All because of God. And he freely did this. He graciously did this. He declares it. And he did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past, which means that God was able to justly forgive and turn away wrath. So we have to remember, God is a just God, and there is a payment for sin, and that has to be justly satisfied. And so here, God is beginning to say, there is something that satisfied my wrath, and it was good enough. And that's the person of Christ. That's who satisfied him. Verse 26, for he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness for he himself is fair and just and he declares sinners to be right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. I love verse 27. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? Say this word together with me, church. No. It's really powerful. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No. Here's the reason why. It's because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith. So we are made right. There's that word again. We are justified with God through faith and not by obeying the law. Okay, here's where it gets fun. Remember how I said there's a word that kind of describes all of this? All right, you ready for the word? I'm really excited about this. Here's the word. It is the word justification, which is kind of a big theological word. Here's what it means. It means to declare righteous. Justification, to be declared righteous. And if you have ever trusted in Jesus alone, if you put your faith in him alone without adding anything to that, then you have been justified. You have been declared righteous. And the Bible tells us this. It was instantaneous. It wasn't like a matter of time. Let's, let's see how serious she is about this or how serious he is about this decision to trust in me. No, it's instantaneous. And it is given and declared by God himself. Not a subcommittee. Like, oh, let's see what happens here, and then maybe we'll take this to God, and then he can give final approval in a few years. No, it's instantaneous. It is given by God himself, and it is by faith alone. And so if you have ever trusted in Jesus alone to save you, there is very good news. This is what happened to you and inside of you without you knowing it, without you feeling it, and without you even understanding it. This is how incredible God is. He declared you righteous without you doing anything at all other than having simple faith in the one whose sacrifice satisfied the wrath of God. That's justification. Wow! 
Now, I would think that would cause all of us to stand up and do a little dance or something because it's that freeing and it is that amazing. So let me try to illustrate it this way. On the screen, you're going to see what pre-justification looks like. And let's think about the debt side of our lives. And here's what the debts look like in pre-justification. Each thought, act, or motive violates God's standard. Personal sins accumulate as long as a person lives. And so before we trust in Jesus alone to save us, before we're declared right, our sins just continue to accumulate and grow and grow and grow in the debt column to the point where that column is absolutely bursting, which is kind of a problem. Let's look at the asset side here and see what happens. Oh, well, that's kind of a problem, isn't it? Apparently, we have no assets. So before we trust in Jesus alone to save us, our sins are accumulating and the debt column is bursting. And on the asset side, we have nothing to offer God. I've never considered myself to be a financial genius, but if your debts are bursting and you have no assets, that's kind of a problem. And yet here's what we tend to do as humans, we tend to think that we can add some things into the asset column that God might find acceptable. The only problem is we're using currency that God doesn't use. There is currency that he accepts, that satisfies his wrath, that takes care of the debts, but it's not anything that we can do. Ever played the game Monopoly? I retired from the game of Monopoly in 1986 after an epic battle with my mother. So in 1986, my sister, her name is Kim, and she's a couple of years older than I am. She graduated from high school, and she went off to college. And so she had her own bathroom that was like Kim's bathroom. And you couldn't look at the bathroom. You couldn't go into the bathroom. That was like her bathroom. And so she left for college, and now there's an open bathroom. And I had a couple of younger brothers, and I just kind of thought, since I was the next oldest child, that I should get the bathroom. So I started to talk to my mom about this, and she said, well, actually, I want the bathroom. I'm like, well, you have a bathroom with dad already. She's like, wait, I don't want to share a bathroom with him. I want my own bathroom. And I said, well, how about this? What if we play a game of Monopoly, and whoever wins the game gets the bathroom? And for whatever reason, my mom agreed to do this. And so we played a game for a day and a half, and at the end of that game, I'm proud to tell you that I won the Monopoly game and I won the bathroom and I was a real estate tycoon and I had hotels and properties and all kinds of money and I have never played the game of Monopoly since. It was a great win, a great victory. Now, I accumulated a lot. I had a lot of assets. Imagine, though, if I took some of that money that I had and I walked into PNC and tried to make a deposit. Well, that would be laughable, wouldn't it? Why? It's the wrong currency. It might work in the Monopoly game, 
but it doesn't work in the real world. And when we try to impress God, or when we live under the idea that I hope my deeds at the end of my life, my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds, we're using the wrong currency. And it just doesn't quite work. So this isn't great news on the screen here. Let's think about what happens when we trust in Jesus alone to save us. So consider post-justification. And I want you to look at the debt side of this because here's what actually happens. The merits of Christ's death are credited to our account and all debits are erased. And that is great news. That's what he does for us. Again, without us knowing it, without us feeling that, without us understanding that, that's what happens. That's the legal transaction. That's justification. Do we have any assets? Well, check this out. Here's the asset side. The merits of Christ's life are credited to our account. Well, that's actually the same debt side. Let me read to you what my notes say about the actual assets. It says this. The merits of Christ's life are credited, and the column on the asset side is actually full. So instead of being empty, what we discover here is that the column is full. So our asset column is now bursting, as opposed to before we trusted in Jesus, the debt column was bursting. When we are justified, when we are declared righteous, the asset column is now bursting. See, I actually think that justification is the most profound turning point in a person's life. It doesn't change who we are. We're still sinners. But our legal standing before God has changed. Is that a small thing? Hardly. Honestly, this should cause us to come before God continually and say thank you millions of times. Because we couldn't do this. We couldn't cancel the debt column, nor can we build the asset column. But when we have simple faith, when we trust in the work of Jesus, this is what God accomplishes in all of us. So let me give you a couple of takeaways. Number one, if you've trusted in Jesus, be encouraged. There should be a lot more smiles in the room based on what Jesus has done for us by taking away the debt column and giving us assets. I mean, be really, really encouraged because your asset column, if you've trusted in Jesus, is bursting. And even if you don't have a lot of material things, who cares? Who cares? Because in Jesus, you've got it all, actually. Secondly, if you have never trusted in Jesus, you can And you should. And that opportunity is available for you today. To be justified. To be declared righteous. I want to put that post-justification back up on the screen. Because I want you just to think about this and look at it. The merits of Christ's death are credited to our account. And all debits are erased. On the asset side, the merits of Christ's life are credited to our account, and the assets column is full. Have you ever watched a courtroom scene, and there are judges and attorneys, and a deal is given to an individual, and they look at that person and say, take the deal? If you haven't been justified, 
take the deal. Take the deal. It's a great deal. It's a great deal. And it gives you a forever friend who takes care of your debt and gives you assets that you never could have without him. That's justification. Being declared righteous. That's what happened to you. Father, I want to just come before you and thank you so much for an opportunity to look at one of the rich paragraphs in Scripture. It's incredible to think about your love for us and what you have done on our behalf without us knowing, without us understanding. But yet you did this because you cared about us and you were satisfied with the sacrifice of Jesus that turned your wrath away that satisfied the justice in you and you offered to us a way to be made right. God, I know that many people in this room, they have responded to that and they have trusted in you. God, I pray that you would help them to be very encouraged today knowing that this is what you've done and this is what you've offered. May they walk out with a bounce in their step knowing that the assets column is full because of what you have given to us. God, I also want to pray for the individuals in the room maybe who have never trusted in you. Maybe they're trying to figure you out or they're just not quite there. God, I pray that today they would understand that you have offered something in justification in being declared righteous that is amazing and profound and really even hard to describe and understand but yet this is what you offer it's what you did because you're God and so I pray for those God who maybe need to take the deal and allow their debts to be cancelled and their asset column to be bursting God, we read, we're sinners. We we don't bring anything good to you. Oh, we try. But that's not the currency you accept. The only currency you accept is with simple, childlike faith, we trust in the work of Jesus and say, I believe and I'll follow. So God, I pray that there would be individuals today who would take the deal. I'd like for you just to keep your head bowed and your eyes closed for a moment. Maybe you're here and you never have trusted in Jesus alone to save you. Never been justified. Again, just a big word. That means God wants to declare you righteous. He's not going to force you to do that. He won't make you do that. That's your choice. You can do that or not. I would encourage you to take the deal. And maybe right where you are from your heart to God's ears. Just let him know. God, I am trusting in the work of Jesus alone. I believe in that. I want to be justified. I want to be declared righteous. Just tell him. Let him know that you want to follow his leadership. Thank him for forgiving you. thank him for declaring you right. 
I want to say to those of you who have offered that up to God for the very first time, I think it's the greatest decision you'll ever make in life. And you are justified. You're part of the family of God. You've got a friend who will walk with you through every step of life and he will never leave you. He will never forget about you. And I'd encourage you before you leave on your connection card to just kind of check that box that says, hey, today I trusted in Jesus alone to save me. Today's the day I've been justified. That's a great thing. I have some resources I want to mail to you as a way to encourage you with some next steps. So God, we're so thankful, just so thankful. This is an amazing thing we consider and contemplate that you, you, the great God, the one who is over everything and sees everything, you can declare us righteous and you've done that. So God, I pray for those who have trusted in you for the first time today. Bless them, encourage them, help them to know that you are with them and that they've got a forever friend in you. God, as we move into this time of communion now, may our hearts be in tune with expressing thanks for your great gift. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We'd also love to have you join us on any Sunday morning as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 or 11 a.m.